0: episode 265 of the sleeper in the bus it's your sunday edition coming to you early monday i am paul spore joined as always on the sunday edition by jason Colette jason how's it going man
1: oh not bad another week of travel coming up so uh i've been busy uh trying to get all the stuff around here had one of my best friends in town with uh, his mm-hmm. son over the weekend so that nice. that's been fun but tiring so <laughs> hopefully i can get some good sleep tonight
0: my travel is what uh, pushed us a little bit. I went to Houston, check out my Tigers, watch them get swept. That was cool. Um, but but hey, pitched Altuve there with the base open. Hey, man, no problem. No problem. Why not? Uh, that's neither here nor there. Thankfully, I mean, not thankfully, but the Tigers are in contention, so it doesn't Really matter. Um, it is funny whenever they win a game or two, though, and everyone's like, Well, why did they? Why did they give up?" And then you watch the bullpen, you're like, "Oh, that's why. That makes sense." Uh, <laughs> we got a handful of guys we got to talk about here. Uh, it's gonna be a little bit of a shorter episode because of that travel, but we'll get it taken care of here. Uh, I want to dive right in because it was kind of a crazy weekend. There was some. Big numbers out there offensively. Uh, up in the Northeast in particular, Baltimore was, was just piling it on. Boston and Seattle were just battering each other. Uh, Felix Hernandez got obliterated. You know, I saw that uh, that Patriots-Seahawks game, 22-10. to The Patriots going for two on that last touchdown. That was kind of rude. but Rubbing uh, it in. You know, hey. When you got Jackie Bradley there, you got to go for two with him and, and keep working that two-point play. Let's start with Chris Davis. though. I mentioned Baltimore. Chris Davis is out of his mind right now. Uh, Fifteen homers since the break. That's insane. By the way, the, uh, that's going to be some nice updating that you're going to get to do to your piece next year when you're talking about second-half quantities. I think you're adding several guys to the big uh, home run list there because Carlos Gonzalez has 14 since the break. Nelson Cruz has 15 since the break. And I mentioned Chris Davis has 15 as well. I mean, that's three guys right there who could hit 20 and and jump on that list. Um, That's crazy given how rare it is. And you showed in that piece how rare it is to, to say, Oh, I'll get 20 homers from a guy in the second half because there's obviously fewer games and it just doesn't happen a lot. Well, davis is out of his mind and honestly the second half looks a lot like the uh 2013 season because he's also he's also got a 336 average and a 1208 ops jason one of the big things that i've noticed out of chris davis chris with a c of course is that he's kind of raking not kind of he is raking lefties only nine of the of the 34 homers are against them but a 311 356 582 triple slash what are you seeing out of Chris Davis right now as he as he continues to just obliterate any and all pitching that comes his way? I
1: mean, I think when the the walk off home run on Saturday night uh, against Pat Venditti, uh, it was a slider low, and I mean low in a way. It was yeah, so it was low in a way. It was so low in a way. All Chris Davis could do was wave at it with his arms. His lower half was already completely out of the picture. I mean, his hips were in the first his base dugout. was
0: in the dugout. Yeah. He, and he, he
1: still hit the ball out for a home run. I mean, he is the subject of the uh, the article I put up at RotoWire over the weekend. And really, when you look at what the difference is with him, it's he's hitting off speed. I mean, I quoted an article from a few days ago where it talked about him not being so pull conscious. He said he was part trying to protect that oblique. Uh, And it it was carryover from last year. And he basically sat down towards the end of May and said, you know what? No, enough is enough. I'm just going to start trying to use all parts of the field. And he's always been a guy that could take it to all parts of the field. But if he's looking up the middle, that means he's sitting back and waiting. So if you're if you're thinking about a guy that's a pull happy hitter, he's going to be out in front. I mean, the hips and the, the ass in the dugout is a great thing about that. He wasn't trying to pull that pitch, but that's how much break that slider had. But he was still able to keep his upper half back far enough so he can make contact with that baseball and, and hit it with enough power to hit it out of the yard. So the fact that he's willing to wait a little bit longer on pitches and trying to go up the middle with them is letting him stay back. So if he is fooled, if he is thinking fastball out of the hand and it's a slider, he still has enough reaction or if it's a change up, he can still get it. And this goes back to more than just the second half. If you look at his numbers since Memorial Day from Memorial Day to today, he is equaling His 2013 season, his weighted on base average from that stretch is actually two points higher than it was for the span of the 2013 season. So old Chris Davis is back. And the thing that really shocks me, I talked about this in February when I looked at overrated, underrated draft guys, he was going 50 spots ahead of Evan Longoria. This is Chris Davis, who in an awful, awful year still hit 26 home runs. Yes, still qualified at two different positions. He was going 50 spots behind Evan Longoria. We are not the only ones that call Evan Longoria consistently overrated, but this, this, I my my last words in my Chris Davis write up in mid February, this should not be happening. Pounce, and, and I know it's, it's stunk coming out of the you know, first two months of the season, but power is power is power. That's the thing, and this and, is and, where he
0: is. That's that's the best thing about Chris Davis. Obviously, is that power. You know, I can't get this guy right though. It, it seems, you know, I accepted that. Uh, okay, it's gonna be low batting average and power. It's gonna be like 240 and 35 bombs this year. Well, maybe not. Uh, if he continues to hit like this, it's going to be 270 and 45 bombs. I mean, whenever I think I've got a firm handle on this guy, uh, I, I don't.
1: So I, yeah, he's, I'm, the, he's the anti-Adam Jones. And in case you yes. haven't missed, in case you haven't seen it, Adam Jones is on pace to hit between 277 and 287 for a seventh consecutive season. His on-base average is going to be around 320 for a seventh consecutive season. He's going to hit his home runs. He's going to play at least 155 games. Adam Jones is a set-it-and-forget-it and, forget it and it projections, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna put 280, 25, boom, 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 done, and, and he hits it. Chris, they just get it, yeah. But Adam Jones is remarkably consistent.
0: But even 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 where I can't pin down uh, Davis, it, it's all right because I still draft him because you know the one thing you're going for is the power. And you're paying for power and, and you're expecting that or not expecting, but you're you're assuming that hey, there might be some bad batting average, but if you just plan for it and and kind of build your team around it and then get surprised by something like his two sixty one with a bullet on the way up, uh, then then you can have a really, really strong season. I really like watching Chris Davis dominate, so I'm, I'm glad he's absolutely killing it. Uh, next guy, I mentioned Boston and how obscene they were this this weekend, just uh, obliterating Seattle. Jackie Bradley Jr. was a big part of that, and he, it wasn't just a weekend. It was a, the whole week out of his mind. Now, if you want to get an idea of how poor Jackie Bradley had been, to this point, um, consider that he had a he had a week here, Jason, where he went 14 for 27. He had 519, 552, 1185. That was his triple slash line with three bombs, and uh, it only took him up to a 247 average. And, and – Took him up to an 834 OPS because it's a small sample, but the fact is before that, he had 24 games of a 121, 254, 172 uh, triple slash for Jackie Bradley Jr. So he was garbage for his first 24 games, which came in fits and starts over, it looks like, three or four different call-ups. So he never really got a a good amount of playing time, so it's hard to really judge him off those 24 games. But these last six have been unreal, and obviously we're not going to overly judge him on those, but... They really showed some some obviously peak performance level. What do you what do you make of Jackie Bradley? The defense has always been there, but the playing time hasn't been even even despite that defense. This is our first real taste of a bat from Jackie Bradley Jr. in the majors.
1: Uh, I still, you know, he was I think he was rushed a little bit. If you think back to last year, last spring, everybody loved him. He, he was the Mookie Me in 2014. I was spring. there. Everyone. I was there. Everyone. Uh, so you the talents there. I just think it needs the opportunity. The yo-yo effect has not been good on him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy that I would not give up on. I would, you know, is he is he going to be what Mookie Betts was this year? No, but if you think about it. The rush to get Xander Bogarts up, the rush to get Mookie Pets up, the rush to get Jackie Bradley Jr. up. I mean, the talent is still there, but there, there. here's a case to be made where sometimes it's a good idea to let guys work their way up the ladder rather than saying, oh, but here's 150 plate appearances. Man, he looks amazing. Let's call him up.
0: Exactly. Let let him marinate a little bit more and and, you know. It, it, it's it didn't even necessarily work for Bogarts until this year either. You know, he was a guy who was kind of flailing a little bit. Everyone had big expectations for him last year, and he didn't really get it going. This year, he's had that huge batting average that's been good. Betts, you know, maybe another guy who. He's underwhelmed against expectations this year. I don't think it's a bad season. He's got 10 homers, 16 stolen bases as of right now with a two seventy one average. You know, it's not killing anyone's season or anything like that. But the expectations were sky high. That's another guy I really bought in on. And it's been all right. It just hasn't been great. So I really like Jackie Bradley Jr. I wonder, do you think that um, they're going to look to maybe trade him? Yes. Or keep? Okay, I, I think so too. Yes. But a Betts-Bradley-Castillo outfield will be pretty good. It, it would be. It but yes, good. but yeah, I, th- I think they should hopefully he gets in a nice situation uh, where he gets to play center field every day and, and just dominate. I-, I really like him. Glad that we're seeing this huge week from him. I'm not sure you need to go be picking him up, be picking him up in mixed formats. But obviously, a only. he was probably a-, a key bid this week. And then deep mixed leagues, uh, you can. But 10 and 12 teamers, I still think you got to kind of let it sit because uh, you-, you-, you just missed his best work. Yes, you did. Um Inadvertently, we're sticking in the NA, uh, AL East. This was this was not on purpose. I Accidentally, just put these three guys in a row. Carlos Beltran's the next guy, and obviously he's kind of on the other end of the spectrum here. When you're talking about somebody young like Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, Carlos Beltran, you know, was having just kind of a blah season. It, it really wasn't all that great. Uh, in fact, he missed the early part of June, or excuse me, of July, uh, leading into the All-Star break. From from June 30th uh, through the All-Star break, he was out but came back right at the all-star break there um, and has been great for about the last month, 296, 398, 606, triple slash with five bombs. uh, You know, always does his walks, 12 walks against just eight strikeouts, looking a lot like a vintage version of Carlos Beltran. And now he's got his numbers up to a 122 OPS plus for the season. He has hits in 17 of his 22 games this second half. And obviously we know the big pinch hit that he had uh, in Toronto on Friday I know he's 38, and so you always got to worry about, about him staying healthy. Let's, let's put that aside for a little bit because I think everyone understands the substantial health risk that you're taking with him. But what do you think of him as a player right now at this elevated age?
1: I'm still taking him for the rest of the way. I mean, when you look at it, the batting average on the season now is 268. The slugging is still, still 470 which is up from last year so and when you look at a guy riding a hot streak we've talked about it again you've got six weeks left in the season you cannot be picky if a guy's hot you ride him until he cools off uh you just got to look and, and see when the signs are coming to cool off but a guy that's not striking out and is walking more than he's striking out He's really seeing the baseball extremely well right now, and, it, it, and it's a, he just he's just raking. When you look at him, he does look like the guy of old. And that home run on Friday night was was huge. I mean, it pissed me off as a David Price owner hey, because yeah. he never should have been in that. I mean, Price didn't give up that home run, but Price was able. They allowed him to face the heart of the Yankee lineup for a fourth time, um, which is a sin considering he had already allowed nine hits and in six that, innings. That was a thing. I mean, why? It wasn't. I'm, and they've seen him. It's not. They've seen a ton of. David Price, and I've seen a lot of those Yankee starts when they made the trade. I said, look, he's had his issues against the Yankees in the past. I mean, the, the, the snowy game this year where he couldn't feel the ball, yeah. that's one thing. But last year, a lot of this and, and having watched a lot of these Price versus the Yankee outings, it's usually more hits than innings pitched. And it was again. And they allowed him to face for a fourth time, and the Yankees uh, took advantage of it. And you know, this was a series that, that we talked about when the uh, when the Yankees and, and the Jays are getting together. They had 12 games left, and the Jays had to win nine of 12, and now they have won four of the six, and they should have had five of the six.
0: Yeah. You know, no, no, they should they should have managed that better. When he's given up that many hits already, again, a fourth time through, like you said, to a guy that they've got a full book on. They couldn't have a fuller book uh, on a stud pitcher than they do on, on Price. So I, I totally hear you. Aaron Sanchez was the one who gave up the homer, but uh, a couple of those runs did go to Price himself. Let's jump over to Dexter Fowler, who uh, is a guy I've liked for a really long time, and he's been kind of a underwhelming. Uh, disappointment's a tough word, but underwhelming for, for the expectations that I've had of him for quite some time. But uh, he's kind of turning that around. So this year he gets off to a great start in April, then goes into a two-month tailspin, 670 and 640 OPS in May and June for Dexter Fowler. But since then, back on track again, 806 OPS in July, 859 so far this month. What it adds up to... Pardon me, he has 12 home runs. He's two away from a career high. He has 17 stolen bases. He's it, uh, 11 away from a career high there, but uh, just three away from a seven year high because that, he got 27 all the way back in 2009. So he hasn't done anything like this in, a, in quite a while. He's pacing toward a 17 homer, 24 stolen base season. Only four guys reached both of those thres- sh- excuse me, thresholds last year Ian Desmond, Carlos Gomez, Charlie Blackman, Jimmy Rollins. So, you know, you love kind of that power speed combo. The average isn't there, but we've always known that his best value is in an OBP league, and he's sitting there with a 245 average and 341 OBP. So if you've
1: got. And, and his 341 is the lowest it's been since 2000, in his entire career. What wait
0: way low way low than than anything that we've seen recently 363 389 369 and 375 recently so yeah I mean there's even a chance over this last month and a half for him to get those numbers up too uh because we haven't we haven't seen a 245 average that's never really been something he's a 267 career hitter so Dexter Fowler despite a little bit low on his rates is having a really strong season overall I think when you add it up fantasy wise where do you stand on him now as he uh you know age 29 not young anymore but but still kind of in the thick of his prime and and having a good year. I expected even better this year with the rates, but I'll take the, uh, the homers and stolen bases for sure.
1: I mean, I really liked him coming into this year because we looked at you know, how potent that lineup was going to be, and he was going to be the table setter and the guy that gets on base. I remember talking about this and saying uh, back in the preseason, looking at this saying This is a really, opportun- really nice opportunity for it to be very profitable for people. Um, free agent after this year, I believe, yes, yes. free agent after this year. So uh, it'd be nice if he stuck around in this kind of situation. But this is a guy that just knows how to get on base. Uh, you know, He's on pace to score 100 runs. He's on pace to steal 20 bases uh 20 homers is going to be a reach for him but in that windy city you never can roll out eight home runs the rest of the way it's so he could be a 20 2100 20, guy this despite hitting 250 uh yeah. you know it, it is a, the strikeout rates up uh, for him but you know the, the walk rate it, he's going to set a career high in walks he's only seven away from doing that now so that's going to happen. So a lot of good things are pointing his way. And uh, I just remember talking to... about this in the preseason saying, man, the, 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 he's being undervalued. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you if you sat on him, good for you. No, i, I definitely been a follower backer for years. So uh,
0: got him in several leagues and enjoying this season. The, the 100 runs piece that you mentioned that he's on pace for, that's also huge. I definitely should have pointed that out because that was one of the big reasons I liked him as well. Getting on this Cubs team, I'm like, oh, they're going to be a better team on base. He could get 100 runs. So, yeah, Dexter Fowler having a great year. Like you said, could get hot, maybe get to the 20 homers. But even if he doesn't, it's looking pretty strong. Let's talk about Pedro Alvarez, who's somebody who uh, was kind of being treated a little bit like Chris Davis where uh, folks were expecting a bit of a bounce back. Um, and at the worst, you know, you're going to get some big power and and kind of take it from there. Really tough 2014 season only played 122 games hit 18 bombs uh with a 231 average you you know you always expect the poor average this year he's already got 18 bombs in just 107 games so far um you know he's not quite pacing toward that 36 that we've seen as a career high back in 2013 but he's giving you the power and a 249 average isn't killing you he's really on fire of late 889 ops and six homers in the second half and only had 12 in the first half
1: where do you stand on el toro pedro alvarez where I've always stood with him. Risky, but it's power. He looks what I've seen of his games lately. I've watched a few pirate games. He, he, like Davis, seems to be a guy that's working more towards hitting it up the middle and seeing what happens from there rather than try to yank it. So what I've seen of his swings lately it looks better to me. Good, 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 good.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, 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 this surge doesn't really change his outlook where you're like, oh, now he's, now he's out of his mind right now. Power is going to be there. Bad batting average, going to be there. Uh, it's just a matter of how much power you can get. And so, uh, thankfully, that that Pirates team is playing well, so the the power production, the the runs scored and driven in, should also be there nicely. Let's jump back to Boston real quick because uh, they, they've had a, they got a young guy now who they've cleared some space for Travis Shaw, and he's got a couple of multi-homer games, and that's that's really what's put him on the map. He's only got four homers, so there's just those two games where you hit two homers, and each of them hasn't played a ton just curious uh, you know only we've only seen 20 games of a 315 356 574 triple slash that's obviously fantastic but he wasn't a huge prospect coming up i don't know a whole lot about him personally what do you know of of travis shaw is this just a blip uh 20 games with two of his best games ever in it or is this something that we should take a little bit more seriously
1: I honestly don't know anything about him. I, I saw him play against the Rays last week, and he hit uh, one of the home runs off of Matt Moore. So I wrote that off as who isn't doing that. Well, yeah, that's uh, true. I hit one off of him really yesterday. That's really that, that's really all I seen. I don't know anything. I mean, when you look at the minor league numbers, the the power, he had 21 home runs in 2014, 16, 19 in 2012. He had uh, just five this year. Uh, so, you know, He really wasn't hitting yeah, yeah. well. If you're trying oh, to scout the yeah. numbers, he wasn't hitting well in AAA at all. And they called him up and he's got uh, four home runs and a handful of games versus five and 322 plate appearances in AAA this year.
0: Yeah, so I guess we're just doing a wait and see on him. I haven't picked him up anywhere. I just, I, I just don't know a lot, and I haven't watched him play. Um, you know, he's first baseman, and and they're just are rarely like first base prospects. Uh, so that that's part of it too. I mean, I know he came up playing third and first, but you know, the fact is. If he was a third baseman, a true third baseman, he wouldn't have been playing first pretty much throughout his minor league career. So we're going to play the wait and see on Travis Shaw, and if he hits another couple bombs in a game, then we'll, we'll revisit it and we'll we'll do our homework on it. Uh, let's jump over to Gregory Polanco, who is another guy that I've really liked, but uh, I th- I thought he was going to have a much better year this year, and he – underwhelmed for a good portion of the season and in fact even with his hot streak uh because he's surging in the second half he still only has a 731 ops for the year that's with a 936 in his last 125 plate appearances which encompasses the the second half and it's really august that he's just been out of his mind this is a guy who's got uh you know some power speed is the carrying tool right now yeah batting average 264 uh, you know that that's fine I like this guy long-term quite a bit, but where do you stand on Gregory Polanco right now as we hit the home stretch? Uh,
1: Yeah, we go back to the other point about uh, youth. I mean this was a guy that was called up really young. Mm-hmm. that's kind of the and, and when you look at him I think he's 23 22. 23. yeah and, I mean you know he hit the ground running last year and everyone freaked out and said
0: oh you know this guy's this guy's so for real I think and I think we were talking two weeks that people were you know really making some sweeping statements about him because he was hot for those first two weeks then he went in the tank completely for the rest of his, his time up and didn't really get like I said get, got off to a very poor start this year and only recently it started turning around so talking about a 23-year-old Gregory Polanco who has more bad than good in his major league career, but still shows signs that hey, maybe I'm going to be a star one day.
1: Last uh, last month or so, 347, 408, 551 triple slash line. I like that. Hit rate is 39%, though, so uh, I mean, that's kind of crazy. But he's got uh, 14 extra base hits, uh, 8 doubles, 2 triples, 4 homers. Um, so he's turning around. This was back on uh, just before the All-Star break. You know, He went uh, it was hitting 231, 3, 308, 322, had a 3-for-4 game going into the All-Star break, and then coming out of it has not cooled off. He's raised his batting average from 231 to 264.
0: That's pretty nice. 31,
1: 33 points in in the last over the last twenty eight games, and he's as a uh, full
0: time player too. I mean, as he's a full time player. He's
1: playing, yeah, he's playing every day, and so the the numbers are good there. It just again, this twenty three year olds, double A players. This guy's been in his second league in a major, in second year in the major leagues. There's a reason why he was considered untradeable. Growth
0: isn't linear with young players though too. So you, you know, you're not always just going to see them stair step their way into stardom. Uh, I want to talk about Delano DeShields Jr. This is a guy that. When we saw him kind of make his first little impact this year, I got pretty keen on him because of the on-base ability. And and this is the guy who can take his walks and then exploit that speed that he has. And for me, if a base dealer can get on in, in another way besides hitting, especially when they're kind of the, the slappier hitting types, then I love that. So I, I've been mm-hmm. really liking Delano DeShields Jr. But then playing time was a bit of a crunch. And then I believe he also got hurt. So
1: um, –
0: yes. By the way, his nickname, according to Baseball Reference, is Snacks, and I love that. I don't even know what it means.
1: Not as cool as his dad's nickname.
0: What was his dad's nickname? Bop. Bop and Snacks. Good old bopping Snacks. Well, Delano DeShields Jr., good old Snacks Jr., uh, is having a pretty nice year, 268, 365, 389. Doesn't have much punch there, and that, that's the slugging there. But that 365 OBP you love, 21 for 26 on the bases. This Texas offense isn't too bad, so he's scoring runs. Uh, a lot of good that we're seeing out of him. He's riding a seven-game, uh, excuse me, six-game hitting streak right now. What do you see out of Delano DeShields Jr., and how much are you buying it?
1: I mean, let's not forget this is a Rule 5 pick.
0: This is a guy that should still
1: be in the minor leagues.
0: We all know that Houston has done some great things. But, man, have they given up on some players a little too quickly, J.D. Martinez and Daniel Shield. The Shields Jr. Um,
1: the word, the word on the Shields Jr. was a gigantic chip on his shoulder. Yes, attitude. Gigantic. Um, uh, but if you look at a Rule Five pick, maybe this was one of those things where it was your come to Jesus moment. Like, yep, hey, uh, get your stuff together. But a 22 year old Rule Five pick has a 360 OBP, as you mentioned, 21 steals. You know, if you look back over the last couple of years, who are some who are some rookies that have pulled this off? Let's and none of these are Rule Five guys either. <laughs> Danny Santana, Mike Trout. Aoki, Desmond Jennings, Andrew McCutcheon, Dexter Fowler. Those are the last six guys that have come up in their rookie year with an on-base average over 350 and at least 20 steals. Wow. That's your list. Uh, wow. So, that, but then if I go further back, Reggie Willits, Rajai oh. Davis, Hanley Ramirez, Lou Ford, Scott Passending, David Eckstein, Ichiro, Rafael Furcal, Homer Bush, 1999. Uh, so Reggie Willits, that, that's kind of that... your list. So it could kind of go anywhere, but it, it's really tough to do. It, it, this doesn't feel like a Danny Santana situation, uh, you know, where I he's agree. had his issues this year. But DeShields, I mean, again, if, if he can. They're giving him the playing time. He's setting a table for a guy to be able to get on bases as well as he does and take advantage of his speed. I mean, he, had, he stole the second off Drew Smiley yesterday. That's a lefty. You're looking right at him. He's like, I'm, gonna, I'm running just, on you. I don't
0: care. I don't care, care bro. Try, try something I don't, I don't care what you're thinking Drew Smiley we'll get to Drew Smiley in a moment we do have a few pitchers I want to talk about as we wrap up a little bit of a shortened version on on the uh, Sunday edition um, I do want to talk about Justin Verlander first because obviously this is a very divisive player in the fantasy community a lot of folks have have done buried him and and moved on and he's maybe making them look a little bit foolish right now you know you don't get crazy. This is why we don't care about win-loss records. He's one in five, so you're like, oh, he still sucks. And his composite ERA is still 4.11. But the fact of it is, is that he's got uh, four ugly starts, absolutely awful ones, five earned runs or more, and then his other seven have been great. Absolutely. Uh, Two runs, two earned runs or fewer, including a couple of uh, shutout appearances. Seven innings, seven shutout innings in Houston. Too bad I didn't go to Saturday's game uh, as opposed to Sunday's game. Oh, and I said they got swept. They didn't get swept. They 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 won they won that game, that Verlander game. But anyway, uh seven seven scoreless, seven strikeouts, only three hits. That comes off of Boston's uh outing where he went six, allowed two but neither were earned and just four hits, fourteen strikeouts in his last two outings. Again, we've seen some of the bad uh, from these previous years that's that's lingered, but a lot of good, too. And it's not vintage JV necessarily where he's pumping 98 in the 7th, 8th inning, but uh, I think he's starting to really work with his secondary stuff and learning that, listen, he can be a pitcher where he doesn't have to have the blazing speed, he can hit his spots, use the secondary stuff, use a deep arsenal, and still have some success. Where do you stand on Justin Verlander right now?
1: I I, I only saw the game against the Rays, and he looked really good in that game. Uh, You know, it looked like vintage, but then again, the Rays were struggling to hit at the time, but he looked really good. I mean, when you look at a you look at a lineup and said, OK, they're struggling. I'm just going to go ahead and pitch and, and stop screwing around. I'm just going to go ahead and attack the strike zone and look at the look at the results that came from it. So um, I liked what I saw in that game. And it, obviously, it's, it's Verlander still evolving, trying to figure out how he's going to pitch in this phase without his big fastball anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can start you can see the adjustment happening here. And the results certainly look better than they did um, last month. Oh, yeah oh yeah much much better and and that's and that's what you need to. he's see not getting booed off the field any longer
0: not no longer getting booed off the field which is a, a, a big positive for him working those those breaking pitches a lot more uh you know frequently and and properly i i should say i think the deployment of them has been good and then the fastball is spotting it properly you know you don't have to have an overwhelming uh, fastball velocity wise if you're putting it where you want and it's not like it's Week. i mean he's sitting at 94 ish for an average 93 94 for the season that's not that's not the end of the world for a right-hander i know he's coming down from from 95 96 all the time but i think verlander uh is still somebody who who can have a decent second phase of his career that 454 era in in 206 innings last year seemed to kick him in the butt uh got a late start this year because of injury and so that seemed to have some carry over for some of those bad starts but more good than bad this year and that's what I like to see out of Verlander. Let's talk about a guy who we've we've brought up a few times and I believe that your message has has consistently been stay the course or go out yes. and buy if you can. And that's Colin McHugh and that's paying some dividends now. He gave up a uh, 8 earned runs on uh june 13th in just three innings to seattle that was at home they they blitzed him but since then he's given up more than three earned just one time five earned runs against la which is not even really a crime because the angels offense they've got some pretty big boppers there including uh and trout obviously Add that all up, that's 11 starts of a 299 ERA. The strikeouts aren't there at the same level that we've seen, just 61 and 72 innings. But you can get by with that. And recently, we've seen the strikeouts tick back up. In his three August starts, he has 6, 8, and 7 in 7, 6, and 7 innings. So Colin McHugh's is pitching much better of late. Finally got the ERA down to 409. Another good start. Could take him back under 4. Uh, like I said, you've been beating the drum saying stick with him. I really liked Colin McHugh coming into the season. I'm glad to see that he's pitching better. What are you seeing out of him? Uh, that that well, it, did everything p- plan out the way you you said it would? Though is it, is is it is that's what's happening here, or have there been different changes from what you wrote about?
1: Um, you know, there's a couple things in play here uh, with. Uh... With him last, his start on Saturday, uh, where the Tigers Tigers. came back and won. That's the first start since June 7th that Colin McHugh hasn't earned a decision.
0: So that's that's
1: one of the the great things about him. I mean, he went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 2. Or seven and, I'm sorry, 7-4 during that stretch. He had 11 consecutive starts where he earned the win or the loss. Wow. Um, and so they leave him in there, and that's one of the great things about it. Uh, so that, that's one of the things you can count on. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the blitz that he got on June 13th, which was the first loss of, of the four that we mentioned during that string, and then he had that ugly outing against the Angels. But the one thing, it's kind of if, if you watch his games, you just wanted to get through the second inning. He's allowed 69 earned runs on the season, 31 of nice. them have come in the first two innings.
0: Wow. 31
1: of 69 the first two innings. After that, he's nails.
0: You, you so know that's what, really it. You know what's huge for him, too, is that, uh, that that Seattle game that we keep referencing on June 13th, he gave up two bombs. It was his second straight game of allowing two bombs and his third in four, uh, four starts that he allowed multiple home runs. Seven
1: of his 14 home runs have come in the first two innings of the game. And since then, in, these, in, the,
0: in the last 11 starts, just three homers combined. And that's why he has a 2.99 ERA in 72 and a, third's inning, a third innings because he's keeping the ball in the yard.
1: Yeah, and I'm giving you uh, – make sure you have an article that you can link to. There was something that I read on Beyond the Box score the other day that talked about Colin McHugh should not rely on his fastball earned. Or- early in games because it's when not guys giving good. up seven I want a guy's giving up seven of his 14 home runs early and getting blasted early like he has in some of these starts that's some good advice so really there's is. a link there's a link there click on it but I thought it was a really good piece I talked about his overuse of the fastball early um, I have not tracked what it's looked like over his last six starts but this piece came out on Saturday morning ahead of McHugh's start uh, with that but I encourage you to go read that start right? I, will, that piece, right? I will
0: link that into the show notes and then you'll have the access to it right away let's wrap up with Drew Smiley because he made his return obviously you are a raised guy you you no doubt watched it I assume uh, when he went to Texas obviously the numbers don't look good four innings seven hits five runs two walks four strikeouts a couple of homers but tell us what you saw because obviously I don't think anyone's going to overreact to the numbers one way or the other you know he's coming off of a huge layoff from a pretty substantial injury so I think everyone's smart enough to to be a little bit calm on the actual numbers here what did we see with the pitching
1: Um, velocity was actually there. Uh, That was the encouraging thing is he had, uh, you know, he was, he'd hit 90, uh, he got up to 90, 92. So that, that was encouraging that he got up to 92. Uh, I just, I didn't like the secondary pitches. I just, I didn't see the, uh, the crispness that he had prior to, and the fastball command was okay, but it was one of these things where you look at it, you're like, uh, what happens? Uh, you know, when you, the curveball looked ex- looked especially roly. I mean, he ended up getting five swings and misses on it, but it was just tumbling in there. It, it didn't have oh. the, the crispness. It was tumbling in. I've seen and, that one uh, before you know, from him. I, 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 I take that back. I need to. Uh, no, he didn't have. He had two swings and misses on it. Um, And then the the cutter, which was a nice pitch for him uh, prior to, if you look at his last start uh, against the Yankees before he went on the disabled list where he looked good, he had 15 swings and misses, seven on his fastball, seven on his cutter. He had a total of five yesterday. Um, on those two pitches. So that okay. that's really, you know, it just that it didn't look it didn't look. it was really tough to say was that a cutter or was that just an ugly fastball? So mm-hmm. I, I did not like what I saw yesterday. Um, I, I do have him in my lineup this week because I figure maybe it is some first game rust. But it honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if this becomes Matt Moore 2.0. No, and he just don't out say that. I, that's I that's just I didn't so like what, I did not like what I saw yesterday, but I'm gonna I'm I'm kind of desperate, so I'm I'm it's like do I keep a middle reliever in my lineup or do I put Drew Smiley in? So Take I put Drew Smiley
0: yeah. yeah, I I can I can understand that obviously that when you start getting into this part of the season, you you don't just go on raw value and say he's good. I can't I I got to use him. He's bad. I got I can't use him you really have to look at your standings and make your decisions based on, on on how it can help you and what kind of desperation you're in or what kind of lead you're protecting and go from there. Uh, Jason, that's gonna wrap us up. We gotta get you out to the airport and and to onto your trip. We'll be back regularly scheduled on Sunday. Thanks for those that I, I know some of you look for it on Sunday night, but now you can enjoy it on a Monday lunch. Jason, enjoy your, your travels and we'll talk on Sunday. All right thanks bud. Take care.